In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. In order to quickly distinguish one gospel from another, you learn a few tricks in seminary. So if it's a passage that concludes with, this was to fulfill the words of the prophet, that's Matthew's gospel, because he cares deeply that we see Jesus as the fulfillment of Judaism. If parables, those surprising stories Jesus tells, alternate men and women as the lead characters, that's Luke, who also contains most of the parables. John's language is so uniquely his own, you can usually recognize his voice just by the turn of phrase. And if a verse or a paragraph begins, and immediately, you can guarantee its mark. He's in a hurry, so much of a hurry that his gospel is five to 12 chapters shorter than the other three. Well, today he's in a big hurry. We have Jesus' baptism, much as it appears in the other gospels. But as the story continues, it speeds up, so much so that we hear, and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, so much so that we only get one more verse to tell us anything about the temptation. But the truth is, those temptations are worth a quick recap. Fortunately, Matthew and Luke also wrote about the temptations, so we know them. Each is an opportunity for Jesus to prove he is the Son of God, a word he just heard at his baptism. And to do that by using his personal power and powerful connections. Jesus has been fasting, so the devil invites Jesus to turn the stones into bread. Jesus declines. The devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple and urges Jesus to just throw himself down to show that God will rescue him. Jesus demurs. Then last of all, the devil says, sign on me and I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus rejects the offer. It's the devil doing the tempting, so we would expect Jesus to resist. But the temptations, while more grand than those that tend to come our way, are ones we know. That one about bread, isn't that simply the suggestion that we should take care of our own needs? And it's a real need after a 40-day fast. But Jesus didn't come for himself. He came for us. What good is it if he is full while the world starves? The leap from the top of the temple Show me just how special you are. But Jesus means to show how special we all are, that we are all beloved children of God. His relationship with God is not to be used to demonstrate how different from us he is, but to model the relationship 
God desires with each one of us. And as for linking up with the devil in exchange for all the kingdoms of this world, well, that puts Jesus on a throne and leaves us just as we are, and he is not having it. In the rest of the gospel, Marx and the other three, Jesus is almost never alone after this time in the wilderness. When he is, it's because he has withdrawn to pray, to commune with the Father, whose beloved Son he is. That prayer inevitably leads him back into the villages, into the streets, into the clamor for healing and forgiveness and food. For the gospel, the good news that is Jesus the Christ, is ultimately not about Jesus. It's about us, both about why God sent his beloved son, which is definitely for our sake, but also to show us what is meant to happen when God, through Christ, lays claim to us. We are changed. And like Jesus, we are here once we've been claimed, not for our own sake, but for the sake of the world. For the last year and a half at St. James, we've been talking about the beloved community, a term adopted by the civil rights movement, but preceding it. It's a descriptor for a community forged by God where all are welcome, all recognized as having and being gifts, and all regarded as of equal worth in God's eyes, and therefore, in our eyes as well. It is not a description of like-minded individuals, except that everyone is meant to share the mind of Christ. It is completely understandable that this, and I imagine pretty much every church community, when hearing that phrase, the beloved community, hears a wonderful shorthand for what we hope to become. But it is not that. It is not describing the ideal church. It is not describing who we will be when we grow up. It is describing the restoration of creation, where and when God is all in all. For the first 400 years of the church, it grew exponentially because the only limit it put on becoming part of the way, which is what the earliest church was called, was belief in God, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit. It looked like no other community on earth, including both the enslaved and the free, men and women, Jews and Greeks, Ethiopians and Romans. There was simply no accounting for such a community, except that Jesus had demonstrated that wide welcome throughout his ministry, that ministry that Mark is in such a rush to get to, and a ministry that ended 
with Jesus' arms stretched wide on the hardwood of the cross. Personal power and powerful connections were all of us tempted by those things, tempted to look after our own needs and the needs of those nearest to us, all too willing to use what we have and who we know to get what we need, or more often what we want, assuring ourselves we'll get to others and their needs, but later. That was and remains the devil's seduction. In his book, The Good Lord Bird, James McBride offers a fictionalized account of the life of John Brown, religious zealot and fanatic abolitionist, who laid siege to a military arsenal in Harper's Ferry in what is now West Virginia. It is sometimes thought that the siege and the taking of hostages that went with it helped light the fuse igniting the Civil War. If you haven't read the book, and I have to confess, I have not yet read the book. It has been adapted as a remarkable miniseries on one of the streaming services. But there is a scene from the book, and in that series, during the siege, in which the remaining white hostage, a nephew of George Washington and a slave owner like his uncle, asks one of the armed black men why John Brown cares so much about saving your people. The man answers, oh, he doesn't care much about that. He wants to save your people. To know Christ is to know that we all need to be freed, the oppressed and the oppressor, the poor, but also the rich. In this country, people of color and white people both. So is the door to the kingdom of heaven and the realm of God swung wide. That is Jesus and God's fanatical idea. In these days and months, when we have been reminded often daily of the communities we love with which we cannot connect in these pandemic days, including St. James, in these days when we are reminded often daily just how much havoc our divisions wreak on communities in our city, our nation, and our world. It is, I believe, exactly the right time to think about and begin to reimagine the communities we want to be a part of and that we wish to create, not assuming we can create the beloved community and certainly not assuming that beloved community will be within any church's four walls. But joining Jesus in his work to begin to make the beloved community visible in our own time and our own place. Mark, I think, got it exactly right 
for he knew right alongside Jesus that there is absolutely no time to waste. The only time and the only way to follow Jesus is immediately. Amen.